All right, I'm recording. Hey, everybody. Welcome to an unexpected podcast. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm in Boston. I'm joined by Evan, who is in the next room, also in Boston, and by Devin Moreno, who is down in Washington, D.C. Hello, everybody. So this is the last in a seemingly interminable series of Articon episodes uh, where Evan and I are going to talk through our games at the GT um, on the assumption that there is anyone out there who is still interested and still listening to this. Um, <laughs> we're just so you know, we're doing this more out of a sense of obligation and completeness than anything else. Um, at this point, I think we've probably on this podcast talked through about 150 games. Uh, it certainly feels that way. <laughs> um, but we're going to go through Evan and I's, uh, uh, gt uh tournament which was a bit of an anticlimax for both of us but um we're going to uh we're going to tell you about it anyway uh once we do that uh devin is here to tell us a little bit about nova which is as we're recording this coming up one weekend from now um and uh uh what that's all about and uh maybe evan and i evan and i will both be there so maybe we'll if we have a chance, maybe we'll talk through our list. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just get there, and you'll just have to find out. But uh, uh, Devin at least can talk about Nova and uh, get ready for the big U.S. tournament of uh, of the year. So, all right. All right. So, uh, with that in mind, um, Evan and I are going to talk to our our games for the GT. Just as far as which which armies we brought. Um, if you list, listen to previous episodes, you'll you'll kind of know what armies we brought. It's the same armies we took to the the, the Wednesday pre-tournament tournament at Articon and uh, the doubles, um, for me at least. So uh, I guess I'm there. just a recap for anyone who didn't see those episodes. Just a faction. You know, you don't have to go through the whole list, right? Yeah. Okay. So, guys playing. Just so I'm playing the I'm playing the Dragon Emperor uh, Legendary Legion at 650 points. Um, the only difference between um, what I what we did in the the doubles and this one is that my three heroes uh, for this version are the Dragon Emperor Rutabi, and instead of the Dragon Knight, I'm taking Borgir. For this version of it, you know, for reasons, um, and uh, Evan, you, know, you can kind of say what you're what you were playing. Yeah, so I've got uh, Angmar with the the biggest of flappy boys, Gulivar, um, and then the Witch King on horse, and then just a standard orc captain, and then a bunch of orcs with a couple of specters and a couple of uh, wild wargs in there. All right, then you guys. I mean, are we? leaving as a cliffhanger on how you guys placed until like the end of all your, uh, your rounds or. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do right, that. Cliffhanger we're going to, we're going we're gonna to keep you waiting. How, how, out of how many players, uh, how many, uh, so how many, how many were there? I, I want to like say it was 160, 170. Something yeah. Like okay. That. That's what I thought. I thought it was like 167 or something like that. So, um, you know, a decent sized tournament. Yeah. And remember Evan got what second place in masters. Yeah. Evan yep, did so get second we're paper. expecting big things from Evan. Guessing, <laughs> right. Guessing third in the tournament. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so well, um, just minor spoilers, but um, for those of you who watched our um, our video on the second day of Masters, you noticed I had a particular, uh, how should we put this, proclivity for uh, draws. 
Um, so just keep that one in mind. Yeah, that, that may come up again. All right. Well, all right, Evan. So why don't we, why don't you tell us about your first game? All right. So, uh, first off scenario, number one was domination. Um, I mean, we could, I don't know. I think Rob and Mick already went over the oath system. Um, and I don't really want to spend that much of the podcast going over it. Um, but basically, um, what my oath was, was my leader has to kill my opponent's leader. So I was sort of keeping that, um, uh, not kill my opponent's leader, but kill any other hero of my opponent's side. So I was sort of keeping that in mind. But um, I had much bigger fish to fry as I was paired up against um, Angmar's absolute favorite army to play against, which is, of course, Assault Upon Helm's Deep, which I had previously played in the final round of the Masters. So this was my second Assault Upon Helm's Deep in a row, um, which I must say I wasn't overly happy about. Um but it was domination, so it wasn't the worst scenario. So, uh, like basically, a ballista what, classic. Yep, two ballistas. Um, and one bomb. Trying, trying to remember if there was a bomb in there. Oh, um, usually that's how they kind of prevent you from. Just I, I don't in. think there was a bomb because Gulivar <laughs> did not blow up in that game. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> Um, but obviously, tons of crossbows. He actually had a decent number of berserkers as well, which I'm not sure if that's necessarily the way to go. Um, yeah. But he had them. That probably um, was so, the replacement for his bomb, essentially. Yeah. So basically what ended up happening is uh, he deployed, you know, kind of on his back objective. We were playing domination. So he had two objectives on his side. There was one in the middle and there were two objectives on my side. I just popped both of my specters um, on the two on my side because I was thinking, well, if I break, uh, then my specters will be able to pass their courage test, stick around and stand those objectives. And then uh, he had one objective over to the left side in the woods and then one in the really far back that he just kind of parked his ballista on. Um, so basically, I had to just run straight forward at him um, with my Angmar list. Um, and he sent a couple of guys around uh, to try and uh, fight off my back objectives. By the end of the game, uh, he... He was not able to get to either of them. I was able to to fight them off. Um, miraculously, um, his uh, his ballistas weren't particularly great at shooting, uh, and I was able to use Gulivar. Um, well, that's the end of the sentence. I was actually able to use Gulivar in this game. He didn't shoot out Gulivar, and uh, Gulivar was able to uh, get in. I think turn two, probably, in the combat. And then uh, he managed to uh, combat off of two guys, charge into a captain and another, and kill those two as well. Um, so that sort of gave me a, a big might advantage early on, which was quite useful. Um, and then next turn, he was able to fly over, knock out one of the ballistas. The other ballista was just in the far corner, so there was absolutely nothing I could do um, to uh, deal with that. Um, and other than that, I just tried to... Uh, send a couple of guys on the objective in the woods, which was kind of out of the way. And I believe at the end of the game, uh, he had tons of guys around it, but I ended up having just one guy sitting there uh, in the objective. So that denied him a point. Um, and we sort of, uh, he took out a decent number of guys before the lines clashed um, and we were uh, fighting in melee. 
unfortunately, just because of the sheer amount of damage his uh, crossbows and ballistas had done, um, he was definitely uh, killing a lot more guys uh, than I was. Luckily, uh, on the last turn, uh, the time was called before I broke, um, so I was able to um, lose but contest his two objectives. Um, so I each had so I had one so he had one point for each of them. Um, my back objectives were perfectly secure, and I had secured the central objective as well. So I got six points from those. Um, neither of us broke, and I was able to on the last turn uh, get the Witch King and Gulivar in on his leader captain. Uh, and I remembered that my oath was duelist, so I'm like, okay. Might as well throw the Witch King strikes on the captain instead. Uh, I ended up doing three wounds. He failed his fate point, and uh, I got my oath as well, as along with the leader points. So I believe that was just double-checking uh, the score, but I believe that was a 7-2 win for me. Um, it does not say, but I am and I don't almost 100 Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, that was a seven-two win for me. I got my oath. Um, it was this was against uh, a man by the name of uh, Jonathan Lloyd. By the way, very nice guy. Um, not the nicest of armies, but he he compensated for it. Um, and I was able to uh, defeat my nemesis army yet again. So it was a pretty good start to the tournament. So what do you, I guess you guys are going through all the rounds on this one, right? Yeah, we're going through all the rounds. Um, so all, how many rounds are there? Five, six, six. six. Uh, six. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so I'll be quick here. So round one ended up being my third round against the bears. Um, and this was, uh, let's see, who was I playing in this, uh, in this scenario? Hang on a second here. Uh, this is pretty cool good. that you can just say the bears and we already know what the list is. Yeah, the bears. We already know what the list is. <laughs> uh, Simon Froley, um, uh, who's a nice guy playing standard bear list. So Bjorn, Grim Bjorn, and a dozen, um, a dozen of their stalwart compatriots. And we were also playing domination. Um, we went and set out the objectives, and you know, he's got a 14 figure army, I've got a um, you know, 32 figure army. I'm hoping I can, you know, just kind of swamp them on objectives. We set out the objectives and, you know, uh, I think it was becoming clear that not all of the rust had been knocked off me of, you know, a year of not really going to tournaments. Um, cause we set out the objectives and, uh, you know, I was focusing on placing objectives so that he could not place objectives inside woods because there was a good deal of woods on this uh, particular board and i realized when i was done with it that the objectives were fairly heavily weighted to one side um there was you know there was a center objective there was objective that was kind of shallow on my right there was objective that was kind of at the midline on my left and then there were two objectives that were deep on the side that uh simon was sitting on so it's like hmm maybe i should have thought through this a little better um, this is going to be good for the guy who wins the the decision of which side to pick. Uh, that person was not me. So if he, of course, he took the side that had the two deep objectives. So 
I ended up having to fight through his army of bears to to get to these objectives. He set up, I think, you know, he, he set up uh, one bear on my left, uh, one bear on my right, and then a handful of guys kind of around them where they could get to uh, objectives. And um, my the you know kind of the most defensible objective I had was on my right, so I started with you know some a few guys sitting on it basically put all the rest of my guys on my right. And I said, all right, I'm just going to run down and I'm going to grab that far objective. Cause the other one that was sitting on the left was in the woods. We're going to leave him to that. And I sent you know, some cavalry over just to kind of lurk near the objective. That was the midpoint of the board and wait until he either abandoned it or um, there, you know, a bear wandered away from it and then they could come forward and grab it. Um, we went forward into Bjorn and boy, you know, boy, did it, you know, it was the standard thing where I would put somebody, you know, random guy into Bjorn, put two, two pikes behind it, hope they would roll up. Um, and if not a guy, you know, got his head bit off by a bear. Uh, and then, you know, my plan was to, you know, basically kill everybody else in the army and break it. And boy, did that take some doing. Um, uh, he was, uh, you know, he, he was, he was winning some roll offs and, uh, I, you know, I eventually did do it, and you know, essentially, I was using Rutabi just to kill individual Bayornings because that gave me the fight advantage. Because otherwise, he was just kind of winning the roll-offs right and left. Um, and it, it it just it took me a long, you know, I did finally break him. It took a long time for me to break him. Um, the bear that was over on the left came over to the right and started harassing my army, so I was fighting two bears over there. That did allow me to go in and kind of take an objective over on the left. Um, and it, and I think toward the end of the game, he also broke me, but at that point he had kind of run out of Bjornings. So uh, I think I was able to get, um, I was able to get, I think three objectives fully controlled. He had one, the one that was back in the woods that was fully controlled. Um, and, uh, I had an advantage in the center. He managed to get a bear over there to to kind of contest it toward the end of the game. Um, this was another scenario where I ended up doing the uh, the emperor dump near the end just to get some extra bodies uh, on an objective and kind of get the emperor where he needed to be. But um, this this was a game through unskilled uh, objective placement I made harder for me than it needed to be, but I did manage to pull out a victory. I don't have the points here uh, anymore, but I think it was somewhere around a 7-3 or something like that um, uh, points-wise. So um, after playing like three of these matches against Bears, do you feel the Bears are actually competitive or just really a fun force? Yeah, the Bears are competitive. Um, I think in order to win a tournament with them, you need to get the right scenario draws. Um, there are some, there are some scenarios where they're, they're just terrifying. Um, the Lords scenarios, of battle, I imagine. yeah. Um, Lords of battle is going to be one, um, contest of champions is going to be terrifying because with all the special rules that the bears get, it is really hard to kill a bear. Um, even if you throw all your enemy at it, cause you know, not only, you know, not only does it have the huge fight value and, you know, first you have to beat the bear in combat, which is not easy since it has the monstrous charge. Um, but, you know, even if you beat the bear in combat between its its defense eight, its 
three wounds, it's three fate, and it's five up fury saves. That takes a lot of damage to, to... and heroic defense. Just in oh case. yeah, and heroic oh, defense. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I I don't think I think in all three of the games I played, I don't think I wounded a bear once. Jesus, serious? Yeah. All right. So would in you my say one game kind of against over... them? In my one game against them, I didn't bother to fight them either. I just set, had Gulivar munch up um, Bayornings instead because right. it's the the risk of attacking a bear um, so outweighs the uh, the reward, which is generally not killing a bear. So right. I usually don't even bother to fight it. Yeah, but it, I mean, it also gives you strategic advantages. Like in this thing with the oath scenario, he very wisely, you had a chance to veto one of the three oaths that the other person could take. He vetoed my objective-based oath. So I was stuck with either killing the bear that was in charge or the bear that was second in command as my oaths. Hmm. And, you know, well, that wasn't going to happen. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, anything, any of those scenarios that key off of like killing a hero, I mean, good God, an assassination scenario against bears. Hmm. Um I don't know yeah. anyone who ever played an assassination <laughs> scenario against the bears. Bears, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, that's it, it. Is a legitimately scary list. Okay. I know. So we're going to be seeing it at tournaments going forward. Oh now. yeah, we are. Oh yes. Yeah. All no right. About Looking it. forward it's to nasty. seeing Nova. Eight hundred right. points, so they're like fully kitted out. Yeah. yeah. All right. Round round two. Evan. All right. Round two is Reconnoiter, and I going into it, I was like, okay, Reconnoiter seems good. Uh, I've got a lot of maneuverable pieces. I've got a flying monster. This should be pretty good. Let's see what I'm playing against. Assault upon Helm's Deep is what I'm playing against. Um, <laughs> but wait, yeah, there's more. So, <laughs> yeah. so I was paired against um, Assault upon Helm's Deep for the third time in a row. Um, and I can't say I was uh, pleased with this outcome. Um so reconnoiter uh seeing as you start on opposite ends of the board literally and that the ballistas just appear on turn one without rolling at all basically means that he will get 15 bajillion shots against me um almost definitely kill gulivar and probably even break me before combat hits um so going into this game, it looked thoroughly impossible to win and um, extremely challenging to draw. But I decided, okay, might as well try something. Let's try and see if we can get a draw out of this. And the only way to really get a draw is to sort of just sit back and hope that the crossbows and ballistas don't kill all of your guys with clever positioning. So that's so that's what I did. Um he he brought his army on. I brought my army on. We we maneuvered around a little bit. Um, Gulivar was hiding behind like three layers of terrain just so he didn't get shot out by the ballistas. Um, was you know if he'd move his crossbows forward one way, I'd hide behind the ruins over there and then push the rest of my guys the other way. Um, and he surprisingly uh, to me was playing very passive. Um, I think he just hadn't realized what my plan was yet. Uh, he was still, I guess, under the intention, under the idea that uh, 
I intended to push forward and try and get into combat with him and fight him. And uh, I had absolutely no desire to do that. So he's like, okay, um, I'm going to start pushing forward. And it looked like I might be able to pull a draw, but I decided, um, uh, well, I saw an opportunity uh, when he pushed a couple of his archers uh Uh, forward up against a ruin and Gulivar uh, was on the other side of that ruin so what I did was I moved a specter forward grabbed one of those crossbowmen pulled that crossbowman forward just so that the crossbowman was on his side of 24 inches but still inside of the ruin and then I charged Gulivar in and I'm like okay this is my one shot um, so he goes And he obviously shoots all of his bows and everything into that combat. Um, I think he maybe chips a wound off of Gulivar or something. But miraculously, he one, does not kill Gulivar, and two, does not kill his own guy. Um, which means I call a heroic combat, kill the guy, move to within 12 inches of the board edge. Um, I'm out of range of any heroic moves from his captains or anything like that. So Gulivar flies off the board edge. And I'm looking at the game then, and I'm like, I could win this, actually, which is not what I expected. So the rest of the game was me desperately trying to, one, stop him from, now he's marching full speed to try and get off the board edge because he realizes he's losing. And two, I'm trying to prevent him from breaking me, which if he breaks me, it ends up being a 3-3 draw. And unfortunately, on the last turn... uh. I am unable to do that, and he just about breaks me. Um, I had one shot um, to try and get a win, which was, I think it was something like a 9 or 10 dice black dart uh, on his leader captain um, to try and chip a wound off him. His leader uh, was out of might points, so uh, once I secured the wound with a black dart, it was a 50-50 shot. Um, unfortunately, it didn't go my way, um, so it ended up being a 3-3 draw. Uh, which uh, anything that wasn't a loss, I was happy with in that scenario. So uh, I think it ended up going fairly well. And nobody got their oaths. Nothing really happened with that. Yep. So, um, so in my second round, uh, you know, also... Oh, I, sorry, just to, to butt in here. I was playing, I don't know if I said this, but I was playing against Jack Whitefoot um, was my opponent. Gotcha. So my opponent was Jim Ryden um, from Stockholm and you know, we're playing reconnoiter and we both sidle up to the table and I plop down my dragon emperor and I look across the table and there's another dragon emperor staring right back at me. So uh, we were going Legion to have, was the Sagan. Legion. yeah, it was the Legion. So we were going to have a, uh, a, a battle to determine who the true emperor was. Um, and we had a table that created a bunch of narrow choke points. There was, there was a bunch of terrain on this table, or at least there's a bunch of terrain kind of in the middle of this table, kind of across the board edge. So there was a small channel to the left on the other side of the woods. There was another small channel. Then there was kind of like a farm on the other side of that. There was another small channel, the other side of that. And then there was another farm and then there was another small channel. Um, we ended up, uh, squaring off against each other so the difference in his list uh he did not have rutabi he had a mounted captain 
as his uh, third hero. Hero. He did have Borgir, um, and he did have, and you know, he had the Emperor. So I think he he had. Um, actually, I should uh, check on this, make sure there was no other hero there. But I think he just, yeah, yeah. So that's what he had. Um, so he just had more bodies than I did. Um, he had uh, thirty nine models to my thirty two, uh, and. He sent his mounted captain with a couple of cataphracts on the far left channel. I countered with with my four cataphracts, and it's basically big. It was a it was it was a two cavalry wide channel. So I'm like, hmm, let's use this shield wall rule and just stacked up my four mounted cataphracts um, two by two, and uh, you know to get the the plus one defense. So they're um, the the captain went slamming into them and they kind of just kind of beat heads during the game and i think they actually ended up coming out winning uh in the end which was uh which was interesting um he was he only had he had his captain and you know only two cataphracts over there i think by the end of the game uh i was winning that but in, in any case nobody got through um he sent rutabi through the neck or not rutabi he sent Borgir through the next gap with some guys and my oath was to kill the second highest or second most expensive figure, which was Burger. So I sent the emperor and some guys at, at that, um, had a couple chances to get into Burger and kill him, but never did. Um, he then sent the rest of his army under the emperor down kind of the right hand channel, which I countered with, uh, Rutabi and Burger. Um, and, you know, it, it was a choke point and, you know, Borgir and Tremor loves a choke point. Uh, and, you know, some, someday, yeah, I'll say this about Borgir. Borgir is like hair. Sometimes you have good Borgir days and sometimes you have bad Borgir days. This was a good Borgir day for me. And this was one where, you know, about half the dice he rolled were sixes. Um, so, you know, there were, there were cannon like Tremor shots going off. And I, you know, I think he may have killed like eight guys. Um, during the course of this game on his own and between him and Rutabi, because, because um, uh, Jim didn't really have an answer to Rutabi. Uh, they kind of carved through that right hand force and were doing a good deal of casualties. The emperor ended up kind of abandoning that heading over to help Borgir out, uh, so, which meant his emperor was kind of out of the fight for most of the game where mine was kind of, you know, going forward and killing a guy or two Um a turn and it, it it basically we came down to the end and we realized nobody was going to get anybody off because we were just all too choked up um and i started doing the math and realized that um you know i realized i was in range of breaking him and he really was not going to break me mostly because of the damage that Borgir had done uh and man managed in like the last turn or two of the game i can't remember if it was the last turn or the turn it may have been the turn before the last i broke him uh and that was the only thing that was done so it ended up being i think a three zero to me is how it uh, ends up working out and i never did get burger so i was never able to get my oath um because once once burger had kind of used up his will on his side uh he just kind of buried him in bodies so um so that was that game so i ended ended up with my second minor win Evan, back to you. All right. So this is round three. Um, so I was on a win and a draw on this point and one oath. So I was feeling pretty good. Um, 
so my my chances were still okay to to keep climbing obviously i wasn't on the full wins um then i was drawn against uh someone who participated in the masters uh which was a little concerning uh so i was playing against sean lang who i actually played uh in masters as well uh he was playing uh fiefdoms with uh all the guys uh forlong uh angbor Uh, obviously Imra Hill and then Dwin here and then a mix of uh, all of the warriors. And uh, this was on command the battlefield and my oath was duelist. So the Witch King had to go and kill a hero. Um, so unfortunately, uh, this is this is the game where my uh, my incredibly strong luck throughout the tournament uh, failed me. Uh As uh, first off, he did deploy first uh, in Maelstrom, so that was useful. And he got his archers and uh, Angbor on the board, and I got uh, my captain and Gulivar on the board. So it was originally looking pretty good. We were fighting it out uh, in the corner. Um, he got some shots off with Blackwood Fail archers on Gulivar, turn one, uh, managed to chip one wound off of him, but that was all right. Um, the concerning part was that my captain and Gulivar had both um, already spent, let's see, I think they had spent one might each uh, to get on the board. Um, my captain might have spent two might, I can't remember. But either way, um, next turn there was a move off, um, which he was able to win and uh, pin Gulivar. Um, actually, I think... I think that my captain had spent both might because Gulivar had to call the heroic move. And then Gulivar was stuck on one might. So I had to then try and dislodge Gulivar with a heroic combat against one Blackroot Vale archer, which I ended up failing that combat, running out of might points, and then basically being uh, stuck uh, in the corner of the board with a bunch of uh, angry fiefdom got fiefdoms guys surrounding me. The Witch King sort of deployed... Um, on top, uh, on one end. So basically what ended up happening was two of my warbands were sandwiched in the middle uh, with two of his warbands on one side and two of his warbands on the other side, and the Witch King was sort of on the outside. And uh, unfortunately, things did not go well from there, as the Witch King had also had to spend might to come on the board, so I was dangerously low on might. Um, unfortunately, he was able to uh, catch Gulivar... Uh, out in the open, uh, I, I couldn't send anybody to assist him, so he was able to kill Gulivar with Imrahil, um, and unfortunately just sort of uh, chopped through my force. Uh, there wasn't much I could do about that. Um, I was able to secure some victory points. Um, one of the corners I was able to keep him out of. So I believe uh, he won that game 8-2, uh, and he got his oath. Um, so overall, uh, when I played him in the masters, uh, I, I 12 owed him. So this was a, definitely a big, uh, a big swing and it shows you how, uh, how powerful scenarios can be, uh, in determining matchups because in domination, I had all the time in the world to engage him on my terms, to be able to precisely apply Gulivar and the witch King to take out his heroes and in command the ba the battlefield, uh, everything was just in disarray, and he uh, 
deployed on me so fast I wasn't able to set anything up and uh his uh his guys were simply uh superior in combat um so yeah I ended up uh was it was it four games uh on day one or three It's four games on day one. four games so there there was another there was another game but so far I was on uh a win a draw and a loss so I was going for the full submarine here So, uh, my, uh, my, my next round was against, um, let's see, who was my competitor here? He's running an elf list. Um, this was, it was Elrond on a horse and Glorfindel on a horse, uh, leading a bunch of elves, a total of uh, 27 figures. So I did actually, uh, outnumber him. And this was, let's get the name up here. So I remember it. Uh, Scott Reed. Um, and so we're playing command the battlefield. Um, he had to, you know, he didn't have a lot of mate to begin with. Um, I think he had to spend either one or two from Elrond to get onto the board. So there was, there's, he had a very small amount of might. Um, I had more figures. So I kind of, I came on kind of all clustered in one section, you know, one of the quadrants of the board, uh, and immediately kind of dispatched forces to go and kind of, you know, loop around and grab all the other ones. Um, and uh, he, and then sent the rest of my stuff pretty much right at Elrond um, and his, in his gang of elves. Um, and Glorfindel originally went off kind of on his own to kind of clear up some of my guys who, who hold up inside a field of rough ground so he he eventually you know he killed one or two and then kind of abandoned that and decided he had to come back and help the center. So Glorfindel was kind of out of it for a while. In the meantime, I was going, I was sending Rutabi straight at at Elrond. And if you needed more confirmation that I was not firing on all cylinders, um, the following interaction happened. I charged Rutabi. I managed to get Rutabi into Elrond um, flat-footed. Um, and I think at this point, because Elrond had called a move that I had successfully countered and beat. So Elrond's out of might at this point. Uh, and I get um, Rutabi in. Um, and uh, uh, and I call a heroic strike. Um, and I then roll for the strike up and I roll a one. And I go, oh, I guess we're tied. And then we do the fight. Um, and, uh, you know, we get the same fight value or we get the same number and he rolls it off, uh, and wins on the elven blade. So I don't kill him. Second time. He I has get, an elven blade though, right? Uh, Rutabi does not. This is Rutabi fighting. So he was, he was winning on uh, three ups. I thought all the Easterling heroes had elven weapons for some reason. No, it's only the dragon emperor. Um, there, there was an error there that that keen listeners will will no doubt have picked up on, but I didn't. Um, so next round I go in, and this time uh, I get Blade Wrath cast on him again. He strikes up uh, again. He rolls a one. I'm like, well, damn, we're tied fight values again. Again we roll, we get the same number, and again he rolls a three and wins the roll off and. I never did end up killing Elrond. I did manage to kill enough of his army to break him and kind of, there was just kind of more of me. 
Um, so I managed to outnumber him in, uh, I think several of the, of the quadrants, uh, and ended up, uh, winning that round. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the game, I'm recounting this story to, uh, Evan and Mick and they're going, you do realize Elrond is fight six, right? Yeah. And there was a long pause. <laughs> yes. So, so for for those of us who have read both Rutabi's and Elrond's profile, um, yeah, you may have noticed that they are both fight six, which means uh, one plus six is seven. Uh, <laughs> therefore, Rutabi would have been higher fight value than Elrond, and most likely over two turns would have won both fights and killed him. Yeah. Um, however, unfortunately, um. It appears that uh, sometimes math is uh, elusive yeah. to well, even I, the best military minds. It's reasonable to think Elrond would be fight seven. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I, I wish it was. I, I wish it was anything that defensible. I think it was more likely the fact that this was game thirteen. Um, I'm still somewhat jet lagged, and uh, this was also the the, you know. I'm also probably extremely dehydrated at this point. <laughs> this being the third game of like the fourth day in a row being fought in in eighty plus degree temperatures. Um, but in any case, um, I managed to kind of win that game in spite of myself. So uh, I ended up at this point having and uh, also managed to not get my oath in this case because I, I had thought it was guys within three inches that count. It was actually guys within six inches that counted. And he had some guys within six inches. So, oh, well. Um, but uh, uh, so anyway, uh, we ended up, um, I ended up with on three minor wins coming out of this. So so let this be a lesson to people. In order for Elrond to be good, your opponent has to forget that he only has fight value six and yep. think that he is fight seven. And then yeah. Elrond, Elrond is quite good. If, good. Yeah, Elrond is quite resilient if your opponent assumes that he is fight value seven and you do nothing to correct that. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, player agreement overrides the rules. You know? Yes. Um, <laughs> so does so does player ineptitude. <laughs> All right. So All right. So round round four. All right. So I am on, uh, as I previously said, a win, a draw, and a loss. So I'm like, okay, hopefully I'll have a, a nice uh, set of chill games um, for the next three games, and uh, I'll just have some fun. And, of course, I was drawn against another person who went to the Masters, you know, logically. Um, this was uh, Franz. Um, Franz Murda, uh, who I believe was the Finnish champion. Um, and I mean, he Evan, had... there's only 160 players. You were likely to fight a Masters player. Like yeah, a... that, that is definitely how that works. Um, so uh, I was uh, obviously super, super happy. Um, we were also, we were on t table 38 to give you reference. Um, so you do not expect to be fighting other Masters players down there, but I guess that's just how the cookie crumbles. He was probably um, just as mad to see you. <laughs> oh, yeah, he he's definitely seemed like it. Um, so we were playing A Clash by Moonlight, which is the one where you kill heroes. And he had a interesting list, um, being the Shadow Lord on Felbeast, Guritz, um, and the Spider Queen. And then just a bunch of uh, Black Numenorians supported by Roran and Orcs and a Bat Swarm in there. Um, the issue was he did not want to charge me because he had heard stories about what my Gulivar had done and just how 
brutal uh, Angmar is in general. Um, and I was, because of his Black Numenorean terror wall, physically incapable of charging him, which means that we just sort of sat around at a stalemate for like an hour. Um, though I would point out that in that hour, we played approximately three turns. Um, and and fr friends, I'm speaking directly to you here. Um, you are a lovely guy. Um, you are obviously a great player. You got into Masters. Um, I would recommend in these scenarios and in some other instances, um, obviously against Angmar, you need to be very precise with your movement, but uh, I would like to actually play the game. <laughs> is is the only way I can really put that. Um, he was he was a little bit slow, um, which is all right because I think in that game uh, we probably wouldn't have made that much progress anyways. Uh, we ended up, I think uh, it was about an hour in, where I'm just like, okay, um, we're clearly not going to make any progress on this. I'm sort of just sitting around while you move, and then I push my guys up and then you move so let's just call it a draw and he agreed so we ended up uh, uh so i ended up on another draw so i ended day one on a mighty a win a loss and two draws which uh is an interesting day one to be sure with a low vp count it sounds like hearing from it um yes quite low we had a loss and two draws, kind of the definition of middle of the pack. Yes, that is true. Though I think uh, technically it's below middle of the pack because middle of the pack would be two uh, wins and two losses. Who cares um, about technicality? A, a win and two draws is actually, as I learned earlier in Masters, two draws is worse than a win and a loss. A a so loss. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm slightly below. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because a win is three points and a draw is one. Like kind of uh, like neither of these are correct. Um a no, win no. is five points and a draw is two. Um ah, so it functions goodness. it functions yeah. roughly the same thing. Um but uh it it just compensates for the fact that um uh if you get an oath, uh yeah. your one point loss gets bumped up to no wait, your zero point loss gets bumped up to a one. And then two point draw gets bumped up to a three, and then so right. on. Um, all right. So my round four, Clash by Moonlight. I drew Goblin Town. So you know, stand, this was Ivan uh, Angeli, Angeli from uh, the Italian team, um, and uh, this was you know standard Goblin Town loadout with um, uh, you know Goblin King, uh, Gollum. Um, Grinna, Scribe, and then, you know, lots of goblins and goblin captains. You know, it's an 80-something figure army. Uh, and, you know, I decided I was going to, you know, I decided I was going to go out and try and and have a fight here and see if I could, yeah, I, I'd never, I'd never face Goblin Town with, with this particular legion. Um, and uh, figured I would try and see if I could, you know, tremor down a hero or two and, and take the victory that way. Uh, yeah, there was a there was a bunch of marching, there was a bunch of drumming, there was a bunch of kind of maneuvering around. Um, ended up in a situation where I had at least somewhat of a restriction. He had to really kind of come around one side to get at me, uh, but the other side was a little more exposed. 
Um, in retrospect, I probably just should have castled um, against Goblin Town. I think that's in a scenario where you don't have to take objectives to win. That's probably just the best thing to do. Uh, so we ended up we ended up kind of going in and having a slugfest. You really need to kind of win the first couple turns of combat in these things against Goblin Town to kind of knock them back on their feet. And I didn't. I think I lost like five guys on the first round, and that was just kind of heads up. Um, you know, my my three guys bannered against his four guys, and he just would outroll me and then, you know, kill the guy in front. And that kind of happened across the line. Um, I did kind of I did kind of do a little better in in second rounds. The so the other thing that really didn't help me here was I had a bad Burgiri day. Um he had a he had a couple attempts where to take uh Gollum down, um, where either the spell fizzled or um I think there was one time he failed to wound Gollum and I think rolled a one. So I didn't want to spend both might points just trying to get a, uh, a wound on Gollum. Um, but uh, uh, in the end, um, uh, yeah, in the end, he was kind of able to swamp me. He didn't get any of my heroes. I didn't get any of his heroes. Um, he, I had a shot at Grin on the last turn, but he very competently used his swap with me to get Grin out of trouble. Um uh, but he did he did break me and I did I was I think still like eight guys away from breaking him at the end of the game. Um so you do get a lot of points for breaking somebody in this. So I think this was a five zero to him because I think you get five points if you break your opponent in this uh particular scenario. So it's impressive you broke Goblin Town. Hmm? This is Goblin Town, right? That you broke Well, no, he he broke me. Oh he broke I, I was eight figures away from breaking him, I think, gotcha. at the end. Um and so this was a five zero to him. So I finished up the day with a uh, with a four one, and neither of us got our oaths on this too because they were all they were all the we we each vetoed the objective uh, oaths, and nobody killed a hero throughout this game. So, uh, so we ended up so I ended up three uh, one on the end of the day, bringing us to day two in round five. All right, so um, uh, with my incredibly wonky uh, scoring from uh, from the last day, I finally ended up with someone who, one, did not have assault upon Helm's Deep, and two, did not play in the Masters. So it was, I, was pretty fe- I was feeling pretty happy about that. Um, and then I realized they were playing Army of Dale, which uh, I had never played before, but uh, looking at what they've got in their list looks absolutely awful for me um, because one, they had just an absolute ton of shooting. Um, I think he had like 13 shots plus a captain, uh, which I didn't uh, pick up at the time, uh, but it was actually illegal because he had 39 models, which means discounting the heroes. He had 36 uh, warrior slots, meaning he should have had 12 bows. Um, but in my incredibly exhausted state, um, I, I picked it up, um, asked him about it and he's like, no, I'm fairly sure heroes count for bow limit. And I don't know what was going through my head, but I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then I moved on with the rest of the game. To be fair, um, they probably it, wouldn't have done a lot in game five to correct that. I mean, I no, guess. probably not. But, uh, it just, uh, proves that my mind was not, uh, <laughs> was not in the present, uh, at that stage um so uh it kind of 
so he had we were playing what's it called retrieval um which was the basically the the grab the football scenario um capture the flag uh where you where there's an objective on one corner and the and an objective on the other corner and you have to grab that objective and uh run off the other uh board edge with it um so uh i did not want to charge him because if I charge him, he's got fight four guys with a banner and plus one to wound because he's got Knights of Dales, which means he would just absolutely shred my line of orcs. Uh, he also uh, has sworn protector uh, brand, which means that he auto passes courage tests. So my terror is absolutely nothing. Um, and I also didn't want to stay back because he had a whole bunch of bows that would just shoot me to death. So I basically had one option, um, and he deployed in the way that uh, allowed me to go for it, which is he didn't deploy on the objective. He deployed slightly in front of the objective. So on one turn, I was able to uh, compel a guy forward with the Witch King, charge him with Gullivar, and then combat with Gullivar over to the uh, objective and then pick it up. Unfortunately, next turn, uh, I lost the heroic move off and the captain and a bunch of guys charged into Gullivar. Um, but Gullivar was able to uh, use a barge and barge all of the warriors of Dale into a wood that he was sitting right next to and then fly away. So he was out of charge range next turn. Um, he had also because he had one priority that turn, he'd set up a line of guys basically preparing for my orcs to charge. And there was sort of a, a gap um, to where Gullivar was uh, and where uh, his line was. So it was basically if his line was here, uh, Gullivar was over here, and then uh, my guys were over here. So I just sort of ran my guys around the side instead of actually charging him because there was no way I was going to do that um, with all of his crazy bonuses and everything. Um, and uh, luckily enough for me, Gullivar was able to, uh, was able to break free and uh, just, uh, I retreated my entire army back um, to the edge of the board with uh, Gullivar holding the objective, then passed the objective to a warg. The warg ran off the board and then both of us basically took all of our guys and just ran as fast as possible to my objective with him trying to get the objective to get as many points as possible and me trying to defend the objective. Um, and this was sort of a, a game of attrition for me because I knew that my orcs weren't going to be able to beat his uh, warriors of Dale in combat. So I was just sort of winning a decent number of priorities, which was very helpful. And then just blocking off gaps with my orcs, like, sending an orc into two guys with two spear supports sort of thing and just saying okay this orc will probably die but they block up space and if they shield and win oh that's nice um and i managed to reposition gullivar back to the central objective and at that point it was pretty much over gullivar was able to just chop through two guys a turn um and i think we were actually pretty even on kills maybe he had a little bit more uh when time was called and the game ended um, but I was able to prevent him from breaking me. Um, neither of our leaders uh, got hurt, um, and uh, he didn't touch my objective. So it ended up being a, uh, I believe it's a 7-0.
um, that's which is when you get the objective off the board. Gotcha. So my round, um, my round five was against a, uh, this was a French player. Um, oh, and my, my opponent, sorry. Um, I don't know if I said his name, but his name was David Clark. Yeah. Um, so this was Julianne Legere, um, who was playing a, uh, an interesting army. It was uh, the Undying on Fell Beast, uh, Guritz, and the Spider Queen. And the Spider Queen brought with her a bat and um, some uh, some spiders, I think. Um, and uh, the we're playing Capture the Flag, um, and I kind of set up. The, the board was an Gilead ruins board um, with some woods kind of on either side. And I was able to kind of like get in my, my plan was basically to get into a defensive position, kind of covering my objective um, with the emperor in the backfield, figuring that the spider queen was going to loop around um, through the woods. There wasn't much I could kind of do to stop that, but I let the spider queen come around into the backfield and then the emperor with uh, you know, some, some rear rankers off the pike phalanx would, would deal with her uh and i i had you know one pikeman sitting on the objective just in case something linked through leaked through and then i had my cataphracts were kind of doing a kind of fainting off to the right and then eventually we're going to beat the drum and do kind of a wide flanking move to go around to grab his objectives because he'd only left like i think two trackers back there it was coming fairly heavily after me um, this plan seemed to be working pretty well, except for again, not firing on all cylinders, forgot completely about the broodlings. Um, so the spider queen did what I expected her to do. She and the bat kind of came forward, engaged the dragon emperor, but slung three broodlings out as she was doing it. And those broodlings were enough, you know, had enough extra range when, you know, all was said and done, um, to get into my guy covering the objective. Um, and, you know, with that that magical 23 inch i'm going to charge i'm going to hurl out combat and then i'm going to dump the broodlings and they're going to go another uh 10 inches um got in got into him i'm like oh okay well he can shield and he's within banner range we can stuff off these broodlings but no um he uh he chokes he dies um one of the broodlings kind of grabs the objective and starts hauling it off uh in the meantime the, the the emperor has kind of weathered the you know he 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 did the thing where you know he charged in with um I think I think the undying a bat and um the spider queen against you know random guy that he'd pulled out of my line to get him in position um called a rogue combat got the bat and uh the spider queen into the emperor the emperor kind of weathered that storm he threw a bunch of uh, he threw basically all his strikes at the guys carrying the banner, killed all but one of them. Um, and uh, so the emperor wasn't really moving anywhere. The emperor's like, aha. Yeah. So, and then starts running the, you know, the, the, the broodling with the, the toy starts running, you know, past the emperor outside of, you know, his now one inch move range. The emperor says enough of this. It's time to get off of this useless chair 
uh, dismounts and is able to use the dismount and additional, you know, once you place him next to the base and then move him, has enough range to kind of run down the broodling on the next turn because he's the only other guy. He's the only guy over there with uh, might, um, calls a heroic move, gets into the broodling and says, damn it, give me my relic back and takes the takes the relic back and starts waddling back to the to the center of the board while Rutabi um comes in and finishes off the spider queen. Uh unfortunately this has given him this has given him one point because he has successfully moved to the objective. Um my wide right uh seems to be working. He moves the undying out. I've I've measured it so he's actually I, I out just, of. I just want to butt in here because um, yep. I'm not sure how this rule works. Can you put the objective back, and then it counts as him not having moved it? No. Once he has moved it, he has moved it. You must once you have it, move it back to where you where it comes from. That's the only thing the figure carrying it can do. Um, but uh, once he has moved it, he has moved it, and he gets the one point. Um, in any case, I didn't actually succeed in getting it back to the center by the time the game ended, but that's my, that's my understanding of how the rules rules works. Um, here as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in in the meantime, um, so I've, I've carefully measured. So I'm outside the, the undying kind of reacts what I think is a bit too late and goes flapping off after my cavalry. That's kind of going wide, right. To go down and get his relic on the other side. Um, and I measured it so that he's, you know, kind of out of compel range of my calf. However, I have drummed, and I'm not sure this ruling is correct, but this was the ruling. So this was the ruling we went with. Um, the ruling was that because I had drummed that turn, he could uh, compel um, the cavalry seven and a half inches instead of five inches, which put one of my cavalry in range of the undying, um, which got him in range to be able to call her a combat and kind of get in on my cavalry. I still managed to get one. I got one cavalry through out of four um, and got to the point and eventually had his, had his horse plinked out from him by one of the trackers, but did manage to get to the point where if I'd won priority on the last, basically came down to priority on the last round. If I'd won priority on the last round, because the, this point, the undying was out of might. I would have been run. I would have been able to run in, grab the objective, and just be sitting there with a three to one win. And unfortunately, he won priority. The undying came in, ate him, um, and uh, ended up being a one zero to my opponent. But it was a fun game. There was a lot of lot of tactics in that, and um, yeah, definitely got surprised by the broodlings and had to you know come up with some cunning plans to work back, work myself back, but not unfortunately enough to get out of my one zero deficit. So is that the first time you've ever willingly dismounted the Dragon Emperor? Oh, no. I've now willingly dismounted him several times. Um, That was, I think, the first time where, you know, basically I had to dismount him because if I I didn't dismount him, um, basically I had to dismount him to move him. Um, The other times I've dismounted him, I've dismounted him either to get extra figures at, at like the end of the game on a critical objective or because I needed to like get him into some place where he needed to get um, like to kill a key hero or something like that. So, but uh, yeah, one thing people don't realize is because his base is so huge, 
And when you dismount him, you put him in base contact with the old base and then remove the old base. He actually can, he's got some, when he dismounts, he can move. Um, because he's, you know, he doesn't have to start in the middle of that 80 mil base. He can start at the edge of that 80 mil base and move. So, all right. That was my round five. We come into the, the final round, round six. And unfortunately, I'm now down three, two. <laughs> all right. So, uh, I was paired against um, Kevin Von Ravenswatch, um, who was playing uh, the Emperor Legendary Legion. Um, and this was a particularly interesting game because uh, sitting directly to my right um, was a very odd and strange man um, by the name of Matthew Iverson. Oh, yeah, um, that's and right. <laughs> he, he looked like he, he was playing like a complete buffoon, but I decided to... Uh, to, to see More what on I that can later. Do, uh, in into the death. Um, actually, oh, who was, is on your left hand side? Um, wait, this one sec. Um, sorry, who is on my left hand side? Yeah. Uh, that yeah, that was Jakob. Um, yep. From Poland. Um, who is the the? I don't think he was the Polish master, but he was some. He was a master from somewhere. Um, who played in the Masters tournament? Um, okay, that's weird. Did, Dad, did, on in the last round of the team championship, what scenario did you play? It was fog of war. Fog of war. Oh no! Wait a minute. That doesn't yeah, sound right. No, say, that's wrong. I played, I played to the death, and yeah, I'm was fairly sure you did too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, to the death. this this is fog of war and tourney was, for some. It was reason. not. It was not fog of war. We were playing yeah, to it, the death. It was a hundred percent to the death. Um. That is the scenario that Kevin and I played. Um, so I was basically uh, backing up against him because I didn't want to. Uh, I wanted to get into a good position uh, where I could get Gulivar in, where I could get uh, my numbers in. So I was trying to pull him through these buildings. Um, I got a couple of kills with Gulivar. I was sort of uh, uh, grinding down on his models a little bit. Uh, I think I killed like three or four. Um, and then he just went... Uh, he went, all right, uh, I don't think I want to walk into that hole that you've set up for me. So he drums and runs backwards. And I'm like, huh, I can't catch you. Um, so he, he tried a, a tremor on my banner, but because of the, the banner uh, the banner rules, uh, he wasn't able to, uh, to remove my banner. So we were basically just sort of sitting there. I had a banner. He had a banner. Nothing else was going on. I wasn't going to catch him. Um, so, sure enough, it was yet another draw um, for me. So that made it uh, to two wins, a loss, and three draws is what I ended on, uh, which is not a result uh, I have ever gotten, nor seen anyone else ever got ever get in a tournament before. Um, uh, I in this final game, uh, we did decide to give each other some compensation for not actually playing the game, um, which is uh, his oath uh, was to was duelist, which was to have his leader kill a hero. My oath was uh, send a message, 
which was uh, kill his highest, second high, most highest pointed model. So I went and I said, here, I'm going to throw Gulivar into Brorgir. I'm going to kill Brorgir, and then I'm going to let your dragon emperor kill Gulivar, and then we're going to call it there. And we shook on it, and then that's basically what happened. I killed Brorgir, he killed Gulivar, and we both got our oaths. Um, <laughs> By mutual <laughs> agreement. Yeah. <laughs> we're like... <laughs> We've we've taken the game away from each other, so let's just uh, give each other an additional tournament point because why not? Yep. Um, so uh, <laughs> we ended up getting an oath there. Um, so overall, uh, throughout the entirety of the what was it five days that we played, uh, I ended up on a very weird um, ten wins, five draws, and a loss. Um, to end uh, to end out my my full Articon score, um, and I think I got uh, looking here, I got a mighty sixty eighth place uh, at Articon uh, in the uh, team championships, which is actually higher than I expected. I'd say because my scoring uh, runs out equivalent to about uh, three wins and one oath, so uh, I guess I'll take it. Top half. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, so my round six, uh, I was playing Robin Pronk. Robin Pronk was uh, um, playing fiefdoms. Um, he had a his loadout was uh, Imrahil and some guys, um, and I think yeah, I think it was Imrahil, Imrahil and a couple of knights and some folks on foot. Uh, Forlong on, um, I think it was Forlong on horse. Uh, definitely a Forlong. Um, whether it was on horse or not, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, yeah, Forlong had a Forlong, Forlong on the fat, on a fat horse. And uh, then Dwayne here with 11 uh, Blackroot Vale archers. Um, and we're playing Fog of War, or I'm sorry, we're playing uh, To the Death. So I set up, you know, 12 inches in, as I should. He sets up like six inches from the rear edge of the board with his block of archers sitting right in the middle. And uh, we go to turn one. Turn one comes. And um, uh, I think I win priority. And uh, I look at him and I go, I don't move. And he goes, well, we could sit here and draw. I said, nope, we can sit here and I can win 2-0 because the thing on the back of that emperor's chair is a banner. He looks at me and goes, "Crap." That was very nice <laughs> of you to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I uh, was about to say, if I was playing that scenario, I would have moved every single model nine inches to one side, <laughs> and then next turn, I wouldn't have said anything. I would have moved every single model nine inches to the other side and just back and forth and waited for them to figure it out. Yeah, so yeah, that you, was you very nice like... of you. If the guy was like, oh, I guess we could get a draw, you'd be like, well, whatever you want to do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. That would be lying. No. Um, no, well, I don't, is it lying to be just like, I mean, it just depends on what your mission is. What are you, what are you trying to do? You know? yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. You, you, uh, there's there's different tiers of uh, yeah. of, I mean, I, of play I, here. Uh, we've got Dad, who's just super nice about it. We've got me, who... 
would move the models and take the win, but uh, <laughs> if, if asked, would respond. And then we've got Devin, who would just lie to everybody and I, say, you I know? Didn't, I didn't lie. I was just, he said, well, I guess we could draw. And I'm like, just depends on what your strategy is. What are you trying to do? You know? <laughs> like, I mean, that's so <laughs> In any case, um, my opponent realized the error of his ways um, and began to advance forward and ran forward till he got within 24 inches. Once he got within 24 inches, um, we, 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 we settled, you know, it was funny because we were kind of playing this, this World War II type game where like my entire army would like stand up and run from one covered, you know, I'd drum, we'd stand up, we'd run from one covered position, like to another covered position, like a little bit further up the field. And then he would, you know, come forward half move and take some shots. And the next turn I would do it again until eventually he came to grips. Uh, you know, fortunately there was enough terrain on this table and I was able to kind of manipulate it well enough with the extra move from the drum that I think by the time we came into contact, I'd lost a grand total of one guy from his shooting, which given that he's got Dwin, Dwin here and 11 Blackroot Vale archers, I took as a victory. The other problem is once I get a well, problem for him is once I got in his black roof veil archers were like front and center of this army. Uh, and Imra Hill, who is terrified of tremor was kind of like locked out um, because there's, you know, we were, we were fighting on a frontage of about a foot between two of these. Um, uh, Osgiliath terrain pieces. Um, and, you know, I kind of locked up that frontage. Imra Hill was in the back uh and you know just you know the phalanx at that point just kind of like leveled pikes and went forward um with the emperor standing at the back saying hey i got two victory points here i'm going to leave the rest of the fighting to you um and uh forlong was my, actually my target for the oath and he plunged in against rutabi and rutabi was perfectly happy to uh let that happen um and uh yeah, horse horse or no horse, Forlong was going to be no higher than fight five. Rutabi was going to be fight six. Um, I, I did understand at this point that six is more than five. Um, so Rutabi with um uh you know a couple pikes behind her um uh took down Forlong um in a couple turns. Uh and yeah, meanwhile the rest of my guys between one thing we discovered was that um, Blackroot Vale archers do not stand up well to Tremor. Um, they go down pretty quick to that, especially when they're in ni nice deep lines that Borgir can come up and kind of shoot down the the length of. But um, that was one of those things where Imrahil had to go kind of wide left to kind of get around this mass to get at me. By the time Imrahil showed up, the line that he had spent so much time to go around had basically collapsed um and Imra Hill had an option to make a stab at going for uh the dragon emperor and then kind of at the last minute decided against it you know he would have kind of been on his own um against the dragon emperor and then the retinue that had turned around after butchering the rest of the fiefdom army um and I think by the time we were done um I think I had I think it ended when, when I quartered him. Um, and I think it ended up being, yeah, it was a nine zero to me. Cause the one thing I didn't do was kill Imre Hill. Cause Imre Hill was like, uh, sorry guys. Um, I guess this is a fail on my part, but I'm out of here. I got a horse. See ya. Um, so Imre Hill left. Um, so this was the first oath that I managed to achieve. I got a nine zero with an oath. So that was a, 
good way to uh, end the end the tournament. So I came in with a, a four two, um, but only one oath. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I think I ended up coming in like forty first or something like that. Um, but uh, but it was still fun. It was uh, six fun games, um, and God, it was was it sixteen games? Yeah, I guess it was. It was eleven and five on the week, um, which uh, they all of them fun, hard fought games. It was a good time. So that was the end. Of, that was the end of Articon. And folks, you no longer have to listen to us recount games from Articon anymore. It's over. It's done. You won't have to hear about it for another year. But it was a wonderful time. Um, big shout out to James Clark for uh, putting it on and putting on. Um, one, two, three, four, five consecutive days of uh, uh, SBG uh, gaming and uh, 16 games. Um, great time was had by all. That's a brutal five days of gaming. What, yeah, you said how many games total? Basically? 16. Six, 16 oh, games. Dang, yeah. 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 So, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, and, and I got to tell you, it's, you know especially now that i am like past the half century mark um it is it is it is you know it, it it's fun i will happily you know I, i'm happy i did it i will happily do it again but it is very much a marathon rather than a sprint um and you know you definitely i, I know at least i'm definitely feeling it um by the end of those last two days um, I was definitely making mistakes on those last two days that I would not have made on the first two days. Um, yeah, that, but uh, there's no way. Uh, I mean, I think for me, I, I probably would have uh, doubles and and the maybe chaos and art and then the uh, or well, I mean, I guess he usually has me run that. But I mean, I probably yeah, since I run the chaos and art, usually doubles and the GT is all I would have done. <laughs> That's that had been too rough for me. I would have, I think I would have wiped out. So yeah, well, you know, on the other hand, if you're going to come over, you know, if you're going to spend all the time to come over and do it, you may as well just do it, right? I love the first four or five Articons without yep. doing the double double. Yeah. Now, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there, so it, it's tough for me to say, like, what I would have done, because maybe I would have just went ahead and did it, but yeah, that's in my mindset. I, I'm hearing the aftermath of what you guys went through, and I'm like... Yeah, I'll just do two of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe that I have the the benefit of hindsight or something. I mean, the, the one thing I will say, I mean, a part of this was because of because of various things that were kind of outside our control. Usually, when we do the Articon tournament, what we do, yeah, we usually pair it with a vacation. We usually come over and do the vacation first, so that by the time we actually hit Articon, um, we have adjusted to the jet lag. Uh, and that really helps. Um, unfortunately, due to circumstances having to do internal here, we we did not have that option. Um, so we had to come and do Articon and then do the vacation part after it. So the you know the going through the five days of gaming with the jet lag and you know probably sleeping something like four hours a night or something like that. Um, that's a lot tougher than when your sleep schedule has actually object, you know, corrected and you can sleep six, seven hours a night. 
um, I think that makes a huge difference for folks coming from overseas. If, you, if, if you're one of our U.S. listeners and are contemplating going for Articon, I would strongly suggest that if you're, especially if you're going to pair this with some sort of vacation or sightseeing, you do it first so that you have adjusted to, you have fully adjusted to the time um, by the time you're actually hitting the games. That is, having done it both ways, that is definitely the way to do it. But uh, so we do not have this problem next weekend when we're going to Nova because we are traveling within the same time zone. And while we are not going to play 16 games, we are going to play eight games. So half as much in uh, in three days. Um, and uh, so, so Devin, tell us about Nova. What do we have to look forward to here? I don't know. I guess we'll go over a fairly briefly here i uh you know so uh nova's five games for the gts you got uh, so i i tried it one year at six which honestly nova needs to be six games it has to one day but it's very tricky a lot of u.s players aren't used to it i know i did it like last year well not last year but the lap those previous year and it um it burned a lot of people out so it's back to five for right now we actually have 102 people uh signed up so uh, the wait list beyond 86, 102 Nova managed to get uh, some slots opened up that we didn't previously have available. They just did that maybe a month ago, not even that long ago. So I went ahead and said, sure, we'll open up a few more. <laughs> and so now I think we're at 92 players or something like that. So I didn't, I didn't let in everyone, but basically that, that's a, a, essentially what it is. We're in the nineties, wherever that is in the nineties. I, I, I have a spreadsheet and all that, but um, so yeah, it's, it's basically just casting art of doubles and, and the GT. Uh, normally we have a seminar uh, that is not actually happening this year because Rob Alderman couldn't come. So in his stead, Jay Claire is coming, but he is not authorized to do a seminar. So uh Instead, actually, he doesn't have the super secret squirrels clearance in order. He does to not. <laughs> he does not have the the authorization. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, we we thought about a couple ideas. We're not doing any of these, but, but <laughs> we thought but, about um, a couple ideas. And I'm going to tell you about that. We are not doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'll say it, like one of them. I was like, I was like, you know, Jay, why don't we? Uh, you know, or I actually, no, 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 this one I didn't pitch to Jay. I actually pitched to someone in the local community, but I was, I was going to tell him like, you know, Hey Jay, uh, why don't we just like have a beer, sit down at a table and pretend no one else is around us. And let's just, let's just have a chat about <laughs> the future of the game, you know, <laughs> like, you know, not a seminar, but just, just me and you having a conversation and if you, you know. want, we'll actually have a beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll bring a beer. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be in an auditorium and we're going to sell tickets. But, you know, we'll be just two guys having a beer. <laughs> yeah, just uh, everyone else just paid tickets to be in a room. <laughs> That's all it is. Um, but no, we, we decided to let it go on the whole, you know, I'm sure Jay will, if you catch him, you know, whatever, I'm sure he's prepared for the bombardment of questions. But, um, yeah, so all we're going to do actually that Saturday evening, I believe Dwayne Fleck, one of the judges of the event, is orchestrating like a viewing party. And the viewing party is for uh, the um, new Amazon series coming out, which oh. I believe comes out that Saturday night. It does actually, indeed. Yep. So so we're going to be doing that instead of in a seminar. And we are encouraging, just due to the 
I'm going to call it controversy uh, of it. We're encouraging only positive people to show up. <laughs> and so Negative people will be shown the door. Yeah. Just, <laughs> like if you're coming in there expecting to hate it, then just watch it on Tuesday or Monday. Hate it on, <laughs> hate it on your own time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so basically, oh, that's, that's fun. I didn't, I didn't realize that was going to happen. So when, is, when is that going to be? That's Saturday night. Saturday night. Okay. So we're trying to get the projector in the in the room and all that and see. If do we need tickets for this or can we just show up? No, no, no. I actually canceled the seminar itself, so we're just going to show up. I'm just reserving the room. Gotcha. So okay. you don't need tickets. Um, we we're trying to not advertise it on the Nova site because what we don't want is a bunch of strangers. We kind of wanted to just the Lord of the Rings GT players to be in there, not like this oversaturated thing. Because you know Nova's full of you know, people who like Lord of the Rings too, like even as a film. So I just didn't want like 200 people trying to cram in there. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's what the Saturday night event is. Um, but other than that, any specific questions, I guess it would require its own podcast for me to go really in detail. But. Yeah. How are the boards looking this year? Do you have any cool new boards? Yeah. So we actually bought all of George Nicotitis's boards. So, um, Everything he created is coming to Nova now, which we didn't have previous years. Um, we, as far as outside of anything he created, we have John McConnell created two new boards, but I'm trying to get him. He, he's right now hesitant to bring some of the harder to transport boards because he's now sitting at nine, I believe. And I've offered help, but um, seems like he'd really rather transport himself if they got to be moved. So I believe I have to double check with him about this. But I, so far, the list he sent me did not include the Paths of the Dead board, which is upsetting, and the Argonath board. Um, those are just honestly low table boards that look cool. I thought they were pretty neat. Uh, but uh, so that those yeah, that, that Paths of the Dead. I've 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 fought on that Paths of the Door of the Dead board many times. I enjoy it a lot. It's a great board. Yeah, I, I think Paths of the Dead is actually, in my opinion, a mid tier board. Like perfectly suitable for competitive play it's just the argonath board because it's you know giant river you gotta put that at the bottom <laughs> but um but yeah other, other than those two boards i know that alisher's bringing some boards from you know none that there's probably no insanely unique ones except for uh george nicotitis board when i say unique i mean new unique so as many of the boards you've seen before at but adding on his so um if that answers that question uh, we do have a huge influx of players in the sense that like there's probably gonna be more generic boards than normal just because of that. <laughs> but um, but we'll be doing the same thing. We add more new ones every year. Yeah. So so it'll be good to have a a hundred plus uh, player event here in the U.S. Are there any other? I mean, how big is Adepticon? I've never actually been there. Yeah, so. Adepticon. I think the max I've ever gotten to is. I, I don't want to quote it. It's I think it's less than seventy. They might have hit eighty, but I had a yeah. I think it's I think sixty is really their max. But I want to I'll give them the leeway they say seventy. Well, good job Which, for cracking a hundred. Yeah, they, you know it's well. Keep in mind though, not a hundred are playing. So we have hundred and two on the wait list, but I can't actually let a hundred and two in because I don't I don't have the boards. We don't. Uh, well, uh, how many How many will actually be playing? Ninety something. Ninety something. All right, so, so close. Yeah, yeah you, very just, close. You couldn't get to a hundred, Devin. Come on. We space issues. <laughs> and so and then and also like each board I create, I'm trying to limit the number of unique boards, but also keep in mind five rounds. You know, if you take a hundred like 
or hundred players and you divide it by two, five times, you start ending up with a lot of players with five straight wins. Yeah. A lot being like four or five, I believe. So, so I mean, I gotta say, I think six six rounds is doable as long as you don't do four on the Saturday. We and have to three and three. That's you, why do you have to? Uh, Nova closes at 3 p.m. So uh, we have to be done by then. So basically, because you remember, we ended at four once, and then like literally people were packing the tables as we're nine, trying to nine. like, you know, right, I'm just doing the math in my head nine to 11, 12 to two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got, you can only do two. All right. Yep. Got it. I understand. Uh, so if I shrunk it down maybe to, to 600 points, we could do like hour and a half rounds, might be able to fit it with a short lunch. But yeah. I mean, the other thing I guess you could do is do round one Friday night. And that would be possible too. Um, you know, Nova, I've always tried to make, you know, there's a lot of ways that I designed Nova where monetary issues are not a problem. So like, for example, people's ability to proxy, even use non-GW miniatures if they make sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and so by hosting on a Friday and forcing people to buy a hotel room on the Friday, which I'm sure Nova would really like, but I just try to make it monetarily accessible, but you're probably right. To keep the points level I usually do, I'd probably have to have games on a Friday. Yeah. Yeah, and I suspect people would do it anyway, even if they had to. Yeah, they probably would. And at this point, we wouldn't lose the attendance because we got the 102 players without me saying a single thing about Nova the entire year. Yeah. So. Um, Well, yeah, and I think you got, I think you, I think you sold out in like, what, three days? Yeah, it was was the first week. It was basically done. Um, So it. It was done, but so so you heard it. You heard it here first. Next year, six games. First game Friday night. It's all we certainly talked down. <laughs> I, I, you know, actually, I really actually am trying to get your guys' boards down for the next note if I can. But I know you guys they're kind of restrictive on the. That's usually my biggest problem is is transporting the board. Right. So I yeah. have to buy it from the player because if I can buy it from the player, it's here now. And yep. that always causes a unique problem, the transportation process. And um, so, yeah, that's. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the problem is we don't have anybody that drives down from here anymore. Um, and Avery is coming. Yeah. Avery's coming. coming. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's flying. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Cause, cause p- part of the problem is Avery is Avery's a teacher. He has to work um, Friday. Um, so, you know, he's, you know, he, he needs to get down. He's going to get down there like Friday night. Cause he's leaving after work and getting there. So, all right. So the solution of starting on Friday night may not work for Avery, but, um, but, uh, yeah, we, we, we'll have to think of something. We'll figure out. Yeah. It will. I'm sure we'll figure it out one day. Like it's definitely like you can shrink the time between and all that. I mean, there's, there's certainly some things you can do otherwise a late game like we did, but, yeah, the four games on that Saturday definitely knocked out a bunch of people. Um, and it, you know, got complaints about it. Look, if I can do four days with four games without air conditioning, we can do four games with air conditioning. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, uh, I, other than that, the doubles remains the same. It just tends to be a casual event. Uh, that hence I don't do a painting requirement. Um, allows people to bring the armies that they never get to bring because they don't paint them. And um, then you have the Castanardi. The only thing that's new about that one, actually, that one's slightly new. I call I'm calling it second edition. It's really like a DLC, but um, it's more cards. But what I've done is just altered the edition to test out a, mo- uh, a modification where um, the weather and quest cards 
are in their own deck off to the side. Oh, okay. Interesting. Drawn. So now they always keep happening. You keep drawing them in clockwork order across the players and I'm just testing out that format because some players... Originally, the quest cards were created because the weather cards don't grant you points, which give you an inherent... I call it disadvantage. Chaos and Order is meant to be a game where you're not supposed to care if you lose. But, I mean, but basically, yeah, uh, it, it's... They created an inherent disadvantage. We created the quest. And then someone was like, well, what if the quests were like every single turn that just came up? So we're trying them in a different deck. We'll see how that goes. Cool. So. All right. Looking forward to it, man. We will see you in a couple days. All right. The, well, you guys flying in on Thursday? We're flying in Thursday night. Um, okay. So we, we, will, we will miss Chaos and Arda, but we'll probably be there for like the tail end of it. Um, oh, okay. All right. Uh, well, no, I think Chaos and Arda is like the middle of the afternoon. I don't know. But oh, yeah, yeah, well, stop we, by. Yeah, we get there you know tonight. We'll find you. We have we'll plenty of free yeah. time to roam around. So, yeah. Hang out. All right, man. All right. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Good talking to you. And we are finally done with our Articon recap. So, next time you can hear us recapping Nova. There you go. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we won't do it in quite a blow by blow fashion. But, all right, guys. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. All right, cool. Ev, stop recording.